Uh, I'm Lachlan and welcome to the live stream of Bible Shots. Uh, whether you're joining us from your study, or your lounge or your kitchen, we're glad to have you joining us at Bible Shots today. Uh, City Bible Forum runs Bible Shots because we think the Bible has something relevant, uh, even important and essential for us to hear. So we set time aside during the challenges and busyness of the week to actually consider what the Bible has to say. And they're Bible Shots because like an espresso shot, they aim to be short but impactful and hopefully leave you feeling energized for the afternoon. Uh, we have a pretty simple format. We read part of the Bible, we hear a talk on that part of the Bible, and uh, then we have some time for Q&A uh, on what's been said, although questions can kind of be about anything. And today we're starting a new series, Renovating Life in Troubled Times uh, with Steve McAlpine. Steve McAlpine is helping us to consider the grand vision that the Bible has for our lives uh, that's outlined in the book of Haggai. Now, not everyone who tunes into Bible Shots is a follower of Jesus. You may have never opened a Bible before, and that's okay. Our speakers work hard to try and make the Bible as accessible as possible. So as long as you are happy to consider what the Bible has to say, we're glad to have you along with us. And if you're happy to engage civilly, we'd love you to engage in Q&A time. So if you do have questions, the most helpful way uh, to engage with that is to use the Q&A function uh, and you can send me your questions uh, and I'll uh, ask Steve those questions in Q&A time as well. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, Haggai, uh, Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Um, and so if, um, if you do, the easiest way to see that if you don't have a Bible handy is to jump onto BibleGateway.com uh, and look up Haggai uh, chapter 1. But I'm going to read it out now. Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, uh, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. It is a time, uh, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labour of your hands. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, guys. Uh, first in a four-part series on, on Haggai, a very short book of the Bible, uh, two chapters, uh, one that you may have read much and you probably don't call your kids Haggai. Uh, after <laughs> after the book of Haggai. Uh, so not too many Haggai's around, but this is an interesting one. So this is uh, really the first talk, and those first 11 verses 
this very short book. Well, first they came for the toilet paper, then they came for the hand sanitizer, and then they came for the pasta, and of course they came for the flour. And finally, when the larder was so stocked that it would have survived a zombie apocalypse, they came for the building products. You see, COVID-19 has been a big reveal, hasn't it? People who've never cooked a loaf of bread in their lives, suddenly stripping shelves of baker's flour and pasta to fatten up for the inevitable societal collapse. Well, think about the last few weeks. After that didn't quite happen, we kind of paused for breath before heading off to queue up in an orderly fashion at Bunnings. See, as our national lockdown settled in, home improvements became our go-to, our kind of do-it-yourself while you're by yourself kind of thing. What's interesting, isn't it? That desire for renovation projects in tough times. There's a sense of comfort and control. It's an insecure world and we're finding ways to secure ourselves and renovation kind of does it. No one's really thinking of their big, hairy, audacious goals at the moment. It's comfort food, chocolate and pasta and Uber Eats and uh, pet projects and tough times kind of shrink our vision a bit, don't they? See, tough times had shrunk the vision of the people of Israel in the time of this prophet Haggai in the Old Testament. Now, I'll give you some context. God's people had been sent into exile in Babylon from Jerusalem, and the city and the temple, the place of worship that they had gathered around, was destroyed under the Babylonian king. After a period of decades, they were allowed to slowly return as sort of chastened, uh, exiled people under the Persian kings. Uh, but life had changed by the time they got back. The city of Jerusalem was a ruin, and the neighbouring nations that had been there when uh, they had been exiled had, had, had written to Persia because they weren't very happy with Israel coming back, and they wanted the temple rebuilding project halted. And these surrounding nations had told the uh, Persian authorities that this place, the temple, was a place of religious zeal and would rebel again against the empire and the Persian empire. Now, that freaked the king out. So he ordered a halt to all the building projects. And if you read the Old Testament book of Ezra, we get the actual uh, edict from the Persian king that says, I want to ensure that the empire's interests are not put at risk by this rebuilding project. So what happened is that dust settles on the temple site for 20 years or so as the people pull back from with rebuilding it. But at the same time, the dust also settled on the grander vision of life that God had for his people, the spiritual renovation project of the people of Israel after exile. Spiritual renovation, reforming their identity around their God, the God who gave them life and meaning and purpose, soon became replaced by just their normal everyday renovations. And we see that in verse 3, if you have the text with you, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, in verse four, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? And then in verse nine, the second half of verse nine, it says, each of you, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. It's a little bit pointed the way God says that to uh, the prophet, to the people. You're busy with your panelled houses. You know, they're putting all the trims on the house. They're not just uh, building a, a little shack. They're actually renovating expensively. And then God says, you're busy with your own house and you're not to, with me. So life might be tough for Israel because of the surrounding nations and the edict from the king. 
There's instability everywhere. Their neighbours may be hostile towards their faith, but that hasn't stopped them fixing up their own houses, their own panelled houses, compared to the ruin of God's house. And they're busy doing it. Dust isn't settling their personal vision of a good life, just on the grand vision that God has for their lives. They're busy putting time and attention into a renovation project, that's for sure, but it just isn't God's renovation project. They're not sorting out their relationship with him or being the distinct nation that they were supposed to be that showcased his goodness. Now, what's the problem with that? Aren't they just allowed to live a little? I mean, in tough times, aren't we just allowed to let off a little bit of steam? What's wrong with a DIY project? Well, nothing in itself. In fact, my wife and I went to Bunnings the other day and uh, we lined up as it felt like we were at an airport, to be honest. And I've got to say, I, I was, uh, it got busy in Bunnings the other day, but me, I was having a mild panic attack as people were walking past me at probably 1.25 metre distance, not 1.5. And the problem was everyone just in my mind at the moment looks like a mini cruise ship. They're full of germs and I'm trying to hold my breath and just get out of Bunnings as quick as I can. But everyone was zipping past, everyone was busy with their project. And you've got to say, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing, as I said, that's wrong with it, except for what God says to his people in verse 7 and 8. I want you to listen to this. This is what God the Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. Honoured. That word honoured is very important. It, the, the other word the Bible uses is or, uh, so that I may get glory from you, says God, or that you may worship me rightly. See, God is saying to Israel and their busy renovation projects, you're in danger of putting all your time and your energy, finding all of your meaning in things that cannot hold the weight. You cannot build any substructure DIY project that will hold the weight of who you are as people. You see, their personal renovation projects have, in Haggai, sadly fulfilled them and distracted them from the task of honouring God. In fact, they're getting, you could put it, they're getting far more meaning from their panelled houses, their exercise regimes in their uh, yoga mat in their lounge, their search for personal, personal authenticity, or even their uh, online romantic relational fulfilment uh, than they are from God. Now, why is that a problem? Why is that a problem in tough times? Because as I said, can't we live a little? Well, let me give you two reasons that are laid out in these verses as to why their distraction away from God's renovation project towards their renovation projects are a problem. The first problem is that it demeans God. And the second problem is that it destroys them. It demeans God and it destroys them. And I want to show you how that it also destroys us if we take our eyes off honoring God and put our eyes onto honoring something else. First, it means God. God says in verse five, and it's repeated throughout uh, this text, give careful thought to your ways. Now you'd have to say COVID-19 would have been a good time to stop and think because we've had plenty of time in a crisis to stop and think about our ways. We've had plenty of time to give careful thought to our ways as we've sat in lockdown. The question is, will we? But Israel hadn't done. Israel had stopped thinking carefully about God. God had sort of shrunk in their minds along with their vision of what life was supposed to be about. And God is saying, give careful thought to how you live. You need to start thinking about me again. 
Now, that's not like God's a narcissist with a fragile ego. God's saying, you need to start thinking about me again because I'm worth it and you thinking about me is the best thing for your life. And here's the stuff that God is doing uh, to get their attention. And it's, it's pretty brutal. Have a look at verse 6. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to what your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. See, life was tough. It's the economic downturn of their day, like we're going to experience over the next couple of years, I would say. And that economic downturn is piggybacked on this tragedy of returning from exile to a really tough life. But the kicker is, if you read verses 9 and 11, through to 11, that that economic downturn is God's doing. He says, when you did this, he says, I blew it away. I called for a drought. I called for all those things to happen in verses 9 to 11. In other words, God is doing this stuff to make life harder to get their attention. Now, that sounds a bit nasty, and it may confirm some of your ideas about God, but let me, let me deconstruct that for you a little. God's doing it to remind them that he is their faithful, promise-keeping God. The economic meltdown is supposed to be something that people understand that God's doing this to show how good he is. The rest of life has changed. We don't have our temple. We don't have our city. We don't have a king. We don't have all the things we had. But God has remained the same. Now, how does God destroying their crops show that he's remained the same? Here's how. When God saved his nation out of Egypt, he made promises to be their God, and they made promises to be his people. And God gives a list in those Old Testament books when he takes them out of Egypt of the blessings he's going to give them for obedience and the cursings that will come upon them if, if they disobey him and don't give careful thought to him. He says, obey me and you'll be blessed, food, drink, clothes, crop security. Disobey me, you'll be cursed. Those things will disappear as a reminder, not because I'm nasty, but because I want you to turn back to me and find your fulfillment in me, not in the stuff that I give you. You see, you will run the risk of searching vainly for ultimate meaning and purpose in stuff that isn't designed to bear the weight of all that meaning. The relationships you build, the projects you undertake, these things do provide a certain amount of glory, but they won't hold up the weight of all of your life. God is saying to them, glory, weightiness, truth, meaning, purpose is to be found ultimately in me. And I will remove these other things from you because it demeans me and my glory. You're honouring them above me. I deserve the glory. The things that I've given you don't. Now, as I said at the start, and perhaps you're listening to this and thinking, wow, God sounds like a bit of an egoist. You know, it sounds a little harsh, but here's the other thing. And here's where it gets up close and personal. And here's where I think it dovetails with our story a little bit and our tendency in tough times to rush to our comforts or our pet projects our panelled houses, our ideas and schemes. Um, you see, what God's saying really is that it's going to destroy you if you rush to the things that I've given you rather than me. It destroys us when we don't give careful thought to God and honour him. David Foster Wallace was an American author and essayist and uh, the 
liberal arts college in Kenyan, Kenyan College in the US asked him to come and speak at their commencement address uh, about 15, 16 years ago uh, to their bright young things who were going out into the world of advertising and journalism and marketing. And he gave a talk called This Is Water. It's a great talk. You can get it online if you look it up on both PDF and on YouTube. And David Foster Wallace is speaking to a graduating crowd that is about to embark on their own panelled house building program. <laughs> They're going to seek ultimate meaning and purpose in career and opportunity and the chance to be authentic and express themselves and, the, and influence other people. And he's, here's what he says. Be careful, even though most of you here in this room, he's saying, probably don't worship God. Be careful what you worship. Be careful what you give honour to. Be careful which projects you invest in. And he says this, which is quite a stunning thing to say. Listen to Foster Wallace's warning to those who are about to rush off to their version of Bunnings. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships, he says. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship, here's the kicker, will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they're where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you in the ground. Woohoo, you know, go make a difference. <laughs> That's just a harsh but real version, isn't it? To which I would say to all of you here, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Just like David Foster Wallace says, anything else you worship other than the one who can hold the weight of that worship, who is worthy of that, will eat you alive. So what does your renovation project look like in tough times? You see, maybe you're rediscovering exercise. <laughs> maybe you're rediscovering the tools in the shed that you can renovate an actual project with. Maybe you are going online behind the back of your spouse or your partner and trying to find that one person who when social distancing is over, you could link up with. Maybe you're trying to find that new job to replace the one you lost that did give you a lot of purpose. You see visions of life, renovation projects in their place are fine, but when they replace the glorious God, they're absolutely fatal to you. They will eat you alive and they will eat you alive well before you die. And that's the worry. So what's your grander vision for life? Could God be signalling something more for you in the midst of the turmoil? That's a question you've got to ask. COVID-19 and all it's thrown at you could be God saying to all of us, consider your ways. When lockdown finishes, are you going to put all of your meaning and purpose into renovation projects that won't stand the test of time? Don't let the dust settle on God's vision for your life. Have a vision that will give him glory and will give you life, even in the midst of turmoil, and will see you through to the end of your days and hold up that weight. Thanks for listening.
helps to unmute myself. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, we do have some time for Q&A, um, but we'll just give Steve a chance to catch his breath and a chance for uh, you guys to type your questions uh, to us if you want to use the Q&A function that's down the bottom of your screen. Uh, if you joined us via Facebook Live, uh, I think the easiest way to try and engage in Q&A time is to type your question into the comments section. Uh, we do have uh, one of the City Bible team members monitoring that. There is a bit of a lag with Facebook Live, so I get your questions in fast um, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, a couple of things to draw your attention to as well. If you're new at Bible Shots uh, or would like to get our mailing list update so that you can get the link to the webinar and we can keep you in the loop about any changes that might be happening. Uh, I've posted a uh, link, uh, my contact link off the City Bible Forum webpage into the chat. Uh, which you are free to copy. If you can't copy off the chat, just go to the City Bible Forum website and the Bible Shots page and uh, there's a link uh, to my contact details there. And you can let us know that you'd like to join the mailing list or if you've got other follow-up questions, would like to find out a bit more about City Bible Forum and what we do, please let me know and I will follow up with you. Uh, well, Steve, we've got a few different questions that have been coming in here. Uh, please keep sending your questions in, but um, I'll throw, I've got a couple to, to throw to you. Um, yeah, so uh, you started to address this in your talk, but uh, just to tease it out a bit more, it, it seems a little bit like God's being petty in terms of wanting a house built, especially if he's the God of the universe and doesn't live in a house the same way we do. Yeah. Why, why does God care so much about his house? Okay, well, this is going to unpack in the next couple of weeks as well, why the temple is so important. So the temple in Israel uh, was the locus or the centre of God's presence on earth. Uh, the temple was a place where the spirit came as the spirit came upon the tabernacle in the desert. And then they built a temple and God said, this is my location on earth. This is where I am specifically located here and now. And this is where sacrifice for sin is made. And so in one sense, the refusal to build a temple is sort of a, a, a slap in the face that God says, I haven't changed. I, I'm still the covenant God who made promises to keep you as my people. And I gave you a way of, doing things that was going to be a shadow and a type of how I actually operate in the world. And I want you to showcase that to the nations. Now, as you go to the New Testament, you see that the location and of God's presence and glory on earth is the person of Jesus. And the place for sacrifice for sin is the person of Jesus. But the temple is almost like a, um, I guess, a, a visual uh, display a, a visual teaching aid in the old testament of what god is going to do through the course of salvation history of how he's working in the world so israel is sort of saying um oh we don't need that you know it's let's just get on with our own lives and god's saying actually you're the people through whom i'm going to bring my glory and my message to the world you need to keep doing this so god isn't being petty at that stage he's saying this is really a symbol of what's going on in your hearts. If this temple's falling down, it's because, yeah, you don't really need to sacrifice for sin. Yeah, my glory is not that important. And those things, I think that's crucial at that point. Great. Uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, I think the next question actually now uh, follows on well from that. So what does it actually look like to glorify God today? Uh, we don't have a temple. Um, no. You know, should we be supporting a local church, you know, roof repair fund? What does it look like? Uh, yeah, uh, I get that all the time. <laughs> uh, should we be putting money into building a building? No, uh, we know that um, in the first generation of Christians, uh, a, a um, disciple and a, 
uh, called Stephen, there you go, the first martyr, uh, said that we know that God doesn't live in temples and, you know, that's not where his glory is. But Jesus comes to the temple and it said, he says himself, one greater than the temple is here. Not because the temple is something that's useless, but because it was always designed to point beyond itself to Jesus. That's crucial. Jesus is the place where uh, there's God's glory is and where sacrifice for sin is made. If you want to honour God today, you come to Jesus. And that's why Christianity is very exclusive in its claim about Jesus, that you cannot honour God without coming to Jesus. In the same way that Israel couldn't honour God without building the temple, in these days, now that Jesus has come, he is saying, I'm the place that that happens. You honour God by coming to Jesus. Crucial thing to understand. The temple language is used of Jesus and his people in the New Testament. It's definitely not a building. Uh, buildings are good uh, shades and rain and sun shelters, but they're not temple that way. Great. Thanks, Steve. Uh, and so if it's about uh, coming to Jesus, if that's how we give God glory, um, you know, how, how might I do that? Is that something, you know, I have to do now? Do I investigate it? What, yeah, what would you say if someone's wanting to find out a bit more? Yeah, look, Jesus is uh, on earth and uh, when he came and then he is the place of sacrifice for sin. It would be good to explore him and read through the Gospels to see what he says because what the book of Haggai does very well, it sets up these visual aids and sets up a hope that's beyond the temple. If it were just about the temple, uh, here's the problem with the temple in Haggai as we read on. It doesn't look much compared to the previous temple that got knocked down. And they're all sort of like, oh, this is rubbish. And uh, God's almost teaching them something in the fact that don't put your trust in a building. Mm. And, and it's saying to us, don't put your trust in anything external, your goodness, your way of doing things, your uh, traditions or something like that. Jesus is always saying, you need to come to me. And I think exploring who Jesus is and how he is those two things, God's glory and God's place to come and have access to God through uh, those two things are crucial and they're played out in the New Testament and focused on Jesus. They, they push you away from buildings. <laughs> they push you to Jesus. Um, so if you did want to do that, um, you could actually do that through City Bible Forum. Uh, you could let us know, again, just through that link that I posted or through the City Bible Forum website. We would love to help you uh, engage a little bit more with who Jesus is uh, and uh, and why he might actually be worth uh, following. Uh, we can still do that via Zoom, um, and you know, we can uh, we can do that while we are isolating. Um, a couple of final questions that we've got here, Steve. Um, what might be some uh, tips that you have on how to give careful thought to your ways? Um, how could I tell if my trip to Bunnings is fine or problematic? Uh, how do we know if the good things we enjoy are too distracting? Great question. Um, hard to pick. I think you always pick it afterwards. Uh, it depends. You know, Tim Keller often says um, you'll know what give it, what's giving you um, meaning um, by when it's taken away from you. You mm -hmm. respond. And I think uh, in the Old Testament, where Israel sins in the desert against God and builds an idol, God says, "I'm going to go. I'm going to send you off to the land." Of Israel, the promised land, but I'm not coming with you. You can have all the good stuff, but not me. And I think it's the question of we ask ourselves: if I, what what would be stripped away from me 
that I would go, I cannot live without that. I must have that. Otherwise, no, nothing in life is worth living. Hmm. Good to go to Bunnings, good to do all those projects. But we tend to, we should give careful thought to our ways because of what our bracket creep of the stuff. <laughs> um, if, if we go that stripped away from me, it would hurt, but would it be devastating? Would it be life's meaningless? Life's over. And I think what COVID-19 has shown up a little bit is that people, you know, Lifeline had more phone calls on one day, Easter Friday, because as the person who's in charge of Lifeline said, some of the distractions of going away, holidays were taken away from people and they're going, what's life about? Well, Easter Friday is a good point to, <laughs> to yeah. figure that out. But it's when the trip away does it devastate you completely and you've got no hope. And God's saying, actually, if you lean on me, I can carry that weight. Mm. And I think that's what you'd have to test. That's how we give careful thought to our ways. It's always happening. We, Australia's dodged the bullet in one respect compared to many other countries, mm. but uh, we're still the opportunity to give careful thought to our ways. When things are taken away from us, mm. how do we feel? It's, there's something about that in there, I think. Mm. Thanks, Steve. Uh, well, we've just about finished for today, um, but we've got you back again for the next three weeks. Uh, so next week, I believe your talk title is, uh, I had it put down and now I've lost it. Um, that's right, God's Reconstruction Blueprints. Why do we want to come back next week? I think uh, because when you get torn down or where things are torn down, uh, it's often a case of I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and sort myself out. But the beauty of what God's going to say next is that you know thing that you couldn't do, you can't. But hey, I can change you to want to do that and to enable you to do it. And there's something, it's beautiful in that idea that God calls you to do something and then enables you to do it. Yeah, great. Excellent. Well, that sounds uh, really interesting. I'm looking forward to joining you again next week to look at our next part of Haggai. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, on the Bible Shots live stream. Uh, whether you've joined via Zoom or via Facebook, uh, whether you're watching live or watching later, thanks for joining us and for being part of things. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.